Welcome to the alternative. The alternative questions virtual reality, sponsored by ISEDN.org. Is there life beyond the big four search engines? Are webmasters spending more than they need to, or leaving money on the table? What opportunities exist on the margins? Spend the next hour exploring paid and free alternatives to the major search engines. Now, step into the alternative with your host, Jim Hedler. Hey, welcome to The Alternative for Thursday, August 16th, 2007. This is, a, this is our first non-road show in like almost a month. The first one we haven't had to pre-record or to um, bend over backwards doing. This is a, it's a sunny day here in Victoria, B.C. It's a relaxing day, and we have a great show coming up for you today. Um, our first guests are going to be um, Dave, Dave Satella from Click, from Click's Marketing, and uh, Deb Richmond from Colarity. Now, these are two people who've been in the industry for a long time. Uh, collectively, they have umpteen years' experience. And we're going into SES next week. We're going to you know, try to explore trends in the industry, what people should be looking for, um, what people at SES ought to be looking for, and um, where, uh, where these two industry brains think that, you know, we the people, we the, we the web workers will be going in the near future. They were supposed to be going for a whole hour, but the other day, legendary SEO Dan Thieves gave me a call and um, sort of filled me in on a on a Google hack he was releasing. Uh, filled me in on a Google hack he would be releasing today, and so for the last um, ten or fifteen minutes, I, I want to talk to Dan about this Google hack, about the implications of it, and what he thinks Google could do about it. But you know, before we get going, um, I have our affable co-host Dave Davies on the line. And just checking, Dave, are you there? I'm here. It's always always polite to check first. Um, dude, you've been away for a week and a half. How are you doing? I, I have been. Uh, I'm doing great. Having uh, you know, as as happens when you when you take a week off, a little rough to uh, rough to get back into the gear of things, especially knowing we got uh, San Jose next week, and you know we've got a kickstart in high gear getting back here. But uh, yeah, big thanks to uh, to my friend Brian up at Whistler Retreats for providing a, a great condo and a wonderful pool that I got to throw my kids around in. <laughs> Dude, they used to be one of my clients. Well done. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So how well, was Whistler? Whistler was great, huh? Pardon me? Whistler was great, huh? Oh, Whistler's, Whistler's always great. Um, I, oddly, I actually prefer the summers to get some uh, get some extreme mountain biking in there and I actually did a little bit of it, which uh, you know, scary, but uh, but highly recommended. Make you feel alive again. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's been uh, been some good time off. And when I wasn't doing that, I was of course pouring over patents for SES. <laughs> pouring um, over for... patents for SES. It's, it's about time somebody patented SES. No, seriously, <laughs> what, what were you looking at when uh, when you were looking uh, for patents for SES? Um, I was going through. I'm going to be doing a session on Monday on personalization. Uh, my segment is going to be based on the patents around uh, personalization. Uh, we have some some great company, including uh, some folks from Google and Yahoo, and uh, you know Richard Zwicky. Uh, we oh, from PPC Assurance. Yeah, he'll be there. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it's going to be a great one. But yeah, of course I had to go back and make sure you know get the PowerPoint presentations all done up and make sure everything uh, was going to uh, you know be uh, be coherent and. Uh, yeah, I was thinking of you while I was there. You uh, brought to my attention the great idea of, uh, of personal page rank, which will be included in the uh, uh, in my session as well. So, uh, thanks to you for that heads up. I didn't catch it in my first round through the patents, but certainly certainly caught it. Oh. <laughs> 
Well, uh, I, I think that came from a talk that uh, Marissa Mayer gave. Um, so I'm not I'm not remembering that conference she 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 spoke at, but um, yeah, she absolutely hinted that there's going to be a each each and every one of us will have a, a integer of some sort or another that will affect the 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 what I'm calling personal page rank, um, how how sites um, appear in in the SERPs that are delivered personally to your computer, to my computer, to my business partner Andy's computer, etc. Um, and that's going to be fascinating to study going into the into the future. I oh, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. Um, and I know, like, yeah, it's it's really kind of fogged out when uh, when you're reading the patents how that is. But yeah, once you once it was hinted at, and once I was looking for it. Um, yeah, you can see it pretty clearly in there, especially on the areas of the patents covering grouping of users together, uh, stuff like that, and how specific users uh, will gain a value associated with them and, and how their votes will count as, as more. I think it's going to be a really, it's going to make the lives of SEOs, um, you know, really quite something when what I see is going to be different um, than, than our clients. Um, and there's hinting in the patents as well, and I won't be covering this in the session, to uh, there's multiple references to um, sort of light machines, uh, basically hinting at something that we've discussed in the past of Google actually launching a um, sort of, you know, you get, you get your panel, you get a keyboard. Other than that, it's all connecting through to uh, through a central server system. Um, and even that's kind of touched on a, a few times in those patents that really would help their uh, personal page rank uh, quite a bit because you won't help but be logged in all the time. You're using their system uh, now. Indeed. You know when when that might happen. That's that's all just guessing. But, uh, but yeah. Well, you I know, think, I mean, uh, this, this, that, that's that's a great segue into something else I want to talk about before bringing our guests on. Um, SES is coming up next week. Uh, Surgeons mm-hmm. and Strategy San Jose, the the grandmother of all the sh- of all the SES. Mm-hmm. You know what? Of all the various internet marketing shows is happening next week in San Jose. And um, folks, there's one reason why you ought to be attending. Um, Dave and others are going to be giving an extraordinary panel on on Monday afternoon, and you're going to be hearing some uh, some information and some uh, some techniques that absolutely revolutionary, absolutely cutting edge. Yeah, it really is. the world is, and, and we'll be discussing that with our guests in just a few moments. Is it's going to be a, a totally different ball game a couple of years from now than it is today. So. Oh, absolutely. You know what? I think that's a great segue to to bring the guests in. Um, I know that they're on the line right now, and they're 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 listening patiently or impatiently, whoever the case may be. And we have <laughs> Deb Richmond from Clarity. She's in New York City right now, and we have um, Dave Zatenza, Dave Zatenza, or Dave Zatella. Sorry, I always get your name wrong, Dave. Um, Everyone he's in, does. He's in Kentucky right now. How are you guys doing? Real good, Jim. How are you doing? Excellent, Dave. For the record, how do I pronounce your last name? Zatella. The tele. You see, I was, I was practicing it before we go on the air, and I had it right. Then we get on the air, and I mess it up. That's how it goes on this show. You would be one of the few that did get it right. <laughs> and, uh, and Debbie, are you there as well? Yes, I'm here, and it's just way too muggy in New York. Same here. Welcome, welcome to the coast, folks. <laughs> That's okay. You're going to get a respite from it. You're going to be coming to the left coast soon. You're going to be coming out for, for Both of you are at SES, right? That's right. Yes, we're actually out in Palo Alto, but uh, it seems like a lot of the web publishers are stuck here in New York, so it's a bi-coastal existence. Yeah, Silicon Alley. Do they still call it Silicon Alley? Or do they sort of, uh, do they blanch at that term now? I think it's ignored at this stage. (laughs) 
Well, I think this is. Um, I mean, you're in New York. New York suffered heavily after the uh, after the, the the fallout in the dot com the, the dot com uh, stock fiasco um, six years ago. What's your sense of it now, Deb? How how is that part of the the tech industry recovering? Well, I'm a visitor out here. Um, I think I'd like to address when I ran a division of About, um, because it was after the dot coms crashed, and what was really happening is it was becoming. Uh, tied in very tightly to the traditional publishers who were going online. And so anybody who survived was thinking along those traditional lines about uh, the fact that there needed to be content and there needed to be advertising, and it was much, much less about the cool new technologies or or any of the um, interesting interfaces. It was much more about the substance and the content and, and, and the vertical interests as well. And uh, in the last few years, how's that? How has that um, manifested itself? Has it changed? What are we seeing in the industry now? Well, I think what's really interesting, and that's the connection of the two coasts, is that uh, I don't think these technologies are going to succeed without at least some acknowledgement of the uh, professional information and the value of of that being the catnip for all of the user uh, generated information to surround uh, it. And the same thing is true, of course, of the advertising, which we're all aware of, the fact that it um, isn't coming as quickly as we'd all like with user-generated information. But when it is attached to some content that's considered reputable, there's value. And I think that's the connection between New York or the traditional publishers and the West Coast. Um, in my humble estimation, it's not happening fast enough. Uh, I think a beautiful example is how many publishers don't even go to SES. Uh, so, you know, I suppose I have some hope because I see the connections from a business standpoint, but I think there's still uh, a big educational cycle to have all of these large publishers who are attracting traffic start to get maybe a little bit more savvy in terms of how they're driving uh, users to their sites, how they do even basic site search, how they connect in advertising in a more sophisticated way. I know that's sort of covering everything in the kitchen sink, but but the essence of it is that uh, the professional publishers, I think, are what's driving ahead the, the web business uh, from New York. Well, David, you're coming at it from, a, from an ad agency perspective. Um, how are your client, clients feeling about mass market publishing sites? Um, how are you feeling about getting your clients onto those sites? Well, uh, from our perspective, uh, first of all, my, my agency, Clicks Marketing, uh, focuses exclusively on pay-per-click paid search advertising. Um, and from that perspective, uh, anything that increases the quantity and quality of the inventory is, is a good thing. Uh, the proliferation of opportunities and channels makes it uh, more complicated to manage, but uh, as long as they have help in choosing the, the best quality, uh, their, their sales keep going up and their cost per sales keep going down. Are you finding it easier to get ads placed um, on larger publications, on really well-known publications, or um, is it uh, are the are these publications starting to develop their own networks? Well, um, we're happy to see the movement of even large uh, publishers to uh, placing ads on their sites via some of the automated mechanisms like AdSense and y, um, YPM, uh, Yahoo's publishing network. Uh, because that allows us to, through uh, the standard paid search um, kind of console, uh, place any kind of advertising, uh, text ads, banner ads, video ads, 
uh, on a range of sites, uh, ranging from the smaller mom and pop sites to the Forbes, New York Times, etc. So um, it's it's actually become easier to uh, to choose uh, high quality sites, uh, whether they're small or large. Okay, um, Deb, we're finding that a lot of the uh... Especially recently, I've been reading rumors about the New York Times removing the uh, the veil um, for subscripted content. Do you think that publishers are going to be trying to open up more in the in the future, following the New York Times lead? Yes, I think that's already happening among all the larger publishers. They've been sitting on a whole bunch of archive data, and this is outside of the New York Times. And you've seen, for example, Reed in the last year just completely open up their archives. And even a year ago, they were saying, well, you know, we're making X dollars for each publisher, and they realized that they were just constraining themselves. It's not just about opening up the gates, though. It's about moving a little bit beyond their own content to even what I might call vertical content. So uh, if they're adding um, video content related to that subject area from the outside of their site, or if they're adding other content related to their subject area, um, you're seeing movement even beyond uh, lowering the gate to to this kind of information on their sites to try to attract uh, traffic. And uh, basically, there's not enough inventory, and I think that's what's going on here that's motivating uh, the breakdown of the gates. Really? Um, I mean, you, Google and, and uh, DoubleClick, Yahoo and Right Media, um, Microsoft and, and Aquanov, um I have a hard time seeing there not being a, a plethora of inventory out there. Is, is it that it's all B2C, or there's just not enough B2B inventory, or what's the stickling point? Okay, so let's let's turn it in the other direction. We're talking about the high-quality publishers right now that have substance and content that's, that can be monetized. And so at some level, you are having a little bit of a squeeze. So if you're dealing with this high-quality set of publishers, um, they can sell more. Now, of course, there's the issues of subject matter that is not monetizable. But I'm talking now about if you're talking about a read or a VNU or subject matter that's clearly monetizable, they don't have enough inventory right now. If you're talking about open consumer information, I agree with you that you've got all this leftover inventory. So I think there really is a bifurcation depending on what the publisher uh, is uh, targeting and going after in terms of its content and audience. From the agency agency perspective, Dave, um, David, do you do you see greater or or narrowing opportunities for your advertisers? Um, I see greater opportunities. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, We've just done a, uh, we're actually at the tail end of doing some uh, months long research with the help of Google and Yahoo and Microsoft into how the, uh, how contextual advertising really works. And it turns out that it works in ways that are, are uh, very different from the way that uh, most people have been assuming it works. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a detailed process, so I won't go into a lot of detail, but basically it's easier to target specific, uh, content or specific publishers than uh, a lot of people have been assuming. And it turns out that that, coupled with the fact that there are more and more publishers coming online all the time, means that the inventory is growing for, especially for uh, less or more esoteric subject matter, the inventory is growing and the ability to target that inventory is is getting better and better. So uh, on 
the net net is that the inventory is getting uh, is, is is getting significant even for the smaller, um, more esoteric advertisers. Well, um, again, David, do you um, are these opportunities that your clients can easily take advantage of, or is there um, is there a uh, uh, well, I guess the word is hurdles. Is there? Uh, I know that the online, the online um, advertising market is becoming a lot more complicated, um, becoming much like the, much like the TV market was um, ten years ago. Are there more hurdles for uh, with these new opportunities, or is it smooth sailing? Well, uh, you know, t- looked looked at uh, long term, looked at from a long term perspective. I, th- I think. Uh, there's a there's a steeper learning curve for how to control the software tools that allow advertisers to get at uh, content publishers and sites and, and eventually customers. Um, but looked in at in the long term, it's 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 uh, it's gotten easier and it is becoming easier because the the uh, search engines are providing more capabilities. And I'm thinking a uh, uh, a perfect example is Google's. Uh, site targeting capability. Uh, before site targeting, when you ran a contextual advertising campaign, it was a complete black box. Uh, you bid on keywords. You didn't know where your ads were being displayed, and you had absolutely no control over whether the ads were displayed or not on appropriate sites. Whereas with site targeting, the advertiser chooses exactly which sites uh, their ads will appear on, and they see detailed statistics on the performance of each site. Uh, it's a little more manual effort at this point, but it's a lot more control, and it, it ensures much, much better return on investment. So, again, the, the learning curve is steep at the beginning for any advertiser, but uh, all of these things uh, five years from now will be taught in in uh, business schools the same way that direct <laughs> mail advertising is taught, and it'll be it'll you know the the learning curve and the and the technical portions will fade into the background. I believe. I've got to definitely speak up here. Um, I started out life too many decades ago in direct mail and marketing information at Dun & Bradstreet. And one of the interesting changes right now is that on the Internet, I think that advertisers are going to be able to follow behaviors, and there's going to be a breaking point. I don't know if it's six months from now, a year from now, a couple of years from now, where Instead of having to predefine that, you know, this site or this particular part of a site is about autos and predefining where your placements are, um, even by site name, that because there's such instantaneous feedback, there's got to be a, a point where uh, the advertising, uh, the people who are placing ads will trust that it will get super targeted. Um, and I think those vehicles are just getting created now because it's a mix of both text and behavioral doing that. And I'm not talking about the minor things we're at today, but literally if you're collecting all the behaviors on a particular website, that's going to be better than a publisher who's saying, here's my website about autos. Instead, it's going to be, here's all the behaviors happening at this point in time, advertised to me successfully. Um, so I don't know if others want to weigh in on this, but I'm certainly seeing that the technology is starting to push things in a different direction. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree with that, I, and I don't think that is incongruent or, or ex- mutually exclusive with uh, greater control for the advertisers that want to have finer detail control. I absolutely agree that the uh, the ad networks will get better at targeting 
behaviorally and demographically such that the advertiser can trust that uh, when they spend uh, in a certain direction that they'll get a, the, the best return on investment. Right now, who's pushing, who's pushing whose agenda? Is it the search engines and the networks that are pushing the advertiser's agenda, or are the advertisers pushing the search engines to improve their offerings? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, in, in the case of Google, for example, Google is, uh, is, is, is a clear winner in pioneering capabilities for advertisers, and um, they do a superb job for two reasons. Uh, where, where many companies are strong in one, uh, they are a superior technology company, so they are good at uh, understanding how technology can be applied to problems, even if the, the advertisers have never perceived that there is a technological solution. Uh, at the same time, Google is great at listening to advertisers. Uh, as, as an agency and as a representative of advertisers, uh, we're continually bowled over at how uh, they listen, uh, they take the time to listen, they take a lot of time to listen, and uh, over and over again I've seen our input turned into action. So I think they're doing both. Yeah, well, Deb, how about if I throw that question at you? Who's pushing whose agenda right now? Well, of course I always think of it as a triumvirate, not just the two participants you mentioned, but the publishers as well. And I think there's certainly in the publisher world um, a lot of the lemming principle. So if you're in, say, entertainment and um, TV station A is doing something in your market and that corporate entity is also following suit, that the same thing will happen for another uh, TV network and its local TV stations. So I watch it from that direction just because in my day job I help to support what's going on with the large publishers. And I think what's going on is that they all sort of accept that they have a certain base amount of money that they're making in text and banners. They're playing with video, and they don't know what to do with it. And I think we all agree with that, with that set of activities. But then they're saying, wait a minute, you know, a Google, a Yahoo, these guys are knowing too much about me, and in a way they compete with me. And I've got to start getting more careful. And that's where you see these uh, white label networks coming to bear, where they say, it might be well and good that you can buy my site through Google. I'd rather have you buy it directly through me. And the larger publishers are starting down that path. Um, and then in between, you see these smaller networks, and I have no idea how they're going to work out. The ad networks supplying the publishers like a, I don't know, maybe an active athlete saying, well, I can create an unwired network of publishers who can never create the critical mass of, say, a major TV network or a set of TV stations. So I think that the publishers are going to be at some point waking up and setting some of the agenda, too. Of course, they're keeping their eye on the bottom line uh, in terms of here are the dollars, and we don't want to give them up in the short term. But you're watching them experiment like crazy right now with respect to their advertising and their ad sources. And if some of the big ones push a little bit backwards um, onto the ad providers, then you, you may see some changes over time. I'm not convinced, just as a side note, that the Yahoo deal with all the newspapers is actually the way things will proceed beyond newspapers, that instead the publishers may start setting the agenda themselves as well. Just okay, a little opinionated on this one. <laughs> we're going to have to uh, take a step back for a moment, take a break, pay a couple bills, but um, Deb and David, I hope you can stick around for a few moments. Um, I'd like to keep this conversation going. Uh, this is Jim Hedger and Dave Davies on The Alternative for WebmasterRadio.fm. We're sponsored by the ISCDN.org, and we'll be back in just a few moments. 
The Alternative. On WebmasterRadio.fm. We'll be back after this short commercial break. Know how to get the best return on your advertising dollar? Clicksore.com. Yeah, ever since we began marketing with more precise content, target technology from Clicksore.com, we've seen a huge jump in visitors converting to buyers for just over one-third of a cent per view. To get over 300 categories, unlimited keywords and ad placement on over 100,000 sites, click on Clicksore.com today. That's Clicksore.com. Your bottom line will thank you. Clicksore.com. Delivers where it matters for you. Are your domains working hard enough for you? Now, park your portfolio at RevenueDirect.com to maximize your earnings on traffic. With RevenueDirect's proven domain monetization service, you'll experience better payouts, more options, and smart optimization. Sign up free now at RevenueDirect.com. It's that easy. RevenueDirect. Make more money. Period. Welcome to the Daily Search Cast. I just got an instant message from Matt Cutts. He's saying, we are the good company that treats people well. Oh, good. So we confirm that. So here's the deal on Matt Cutts and instant messaging. Not. <laughs> the guy is like, now he's, he's sort of like the expert witness, like have PR people and lawyers with him. Matt is like the Bruce Lee of Google PR, right? <laughs> he can walk in. He's like, you know, jump. The Daily Search Cast. Live broadcast Monday through Thursdays at 1130 a.m. Eastern, 830 a.m. Pacific. And on demand every day. Only on webmasterradio.fm. And now, transport back into the alternative on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host, Jim Hedger. Welcome back to the alternative. It's Thursday, August the 16th. We have um, Deb from Clarity and Dave from Clicks Marketing on the line. And uh, we're just sort of rambling through industry trends, where things are going. Um, and how webmasters should should react to and relate to them. And, uh, you know, we've got about 15 minutes left in this segment, so I'd kind of like to jump into where we're all going next week, um, SES San Jose, probably the, the largest and most influential show in search marketing. Um, and I, uh, Deb and Dave, you're, you're both speaking at the show, are, are you not? Yes. I'm actually spending time with a lot of the speakers at the show because I really want to learn what they're up to, and I think the catchword for, from my perspective, is video. So we're going to be talking a lot about video, thinking a lot about video, learning to optimize uh, video content. Yes, I think we all have a lot to learn and a lot to experiment with in that arena. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it just feels that the, the, the web is becoming much like television. At least the web that we work with is becoming a lot like television. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess I'm curious where some of the opportunities for webmasters, um, you know, what are some of the opportunities for webmasters when, when talking about video? I guess at the very basic level, if they're at least having, you know, links associated with this video, putting a little bit on their sites to capture interest, uh, they might have a vehicle for some additional advertising. It's very hard to know how it's going to play out in the mass market with these smaller sites, um, but um, I really do look at it as trying to figure out where, where the monetization opportunities are, and I don't really have any easy answers on that one. Well, David, are you talking to any of your clients about video, or more importantly, are your clients talking to you about video? Uh, almost zero. 
Um, I don't think it's perceived. I mean, it, 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 there's there's a little bit of a stretch, I think, conceptually between um, text-based search ads and video. Uh, I don't think that the the, the advertisers who have uh, gone from maybe two or three years ago to the present with text ads have even gotten their, own, their arms around the complexity of uh, producing and measuring and refining uh, a text ad campaign. Um, so I, I don't hear a lot about it. Uh, I think it's a couple years off for most of the clients that we have. I, I agree that it's probably a larger website issue today, but I think the issue is how to put the right kind of contextual uh, applications against the text ads to show them aligned to the right video. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I also want to add that um, the the advertisers we deal with are uh, making really good ROI on text ads, and they don't feel they have reached the full potential of those yet, and they don't see the added ROI they'll get from the added complexity and production costs of, of video. Um, and they may be short-sighted. I, I, I can't tell at this point, but I think uh, um, maybe there needs to be more progress in just advertiser understanding of text and even banner ad uh, placement and measurement before they go to video. And, I can, and, and I'm not speaking at all. Deb can speak much much better to the, the publisher attitudes. Well, before she does, um, your clients may be short-sighted or they may be prescient. Um, they know their accounts. They know their ROI. They know what is working, what isn't working for them. Have we, um, have we peaked out on text ads, or is there still a lot of room to grow in there? Oh, I think there's tremendous room to grow. Um, I mean, our... our the, the most sophisticated clients we have are still uh, getting their arms around things like uh, doing multivariate testing of landing pages. So um, they're they're still getting their arms around uh, creating different ads for different uh, publishers, for example. And this is all within the realm of text ads. So I, th- I think there, and, and I think this speaks to the to the. Um, paid search advertising industry in general. Um, old-timers that have been using Overture since, I don't know when it came out, 95 or so, uh, think that the, the, the genre is mature. And I think if you ask uh, half the audience at SES, they'll say, we just started last, last year. So it's, it's, I think the, the, the adoption is still early. You know, I'm not going to deny the reality that there's a huge learning curve, especially with landing pages or knowing from a given ad what the real interests are and where where somebody needs to arrive within a website. That's a huge area, too. I, I, I really have to underscore it. I think what I'm referring to is if you have this inventory of text ads, why not start experiment with experimenting with how it's shown. So, for example, if you've got some video running, what if the text ads are showing as headlines that are scrolling across the bottom? And, yes, I realize maybe this isn't monetization right this minute, but these are issues we're going to have to wrestle with because somebody's going to decide this is a market to monetize and run after it. Yeah. I agree with that, too. Uh, There's another factor that's related to something I said earlier, and that is um, that – we, we've just finished this research on, on um, how the content networks and how contextual advertising really works. And I think that the, um, the paid search advertising community, let's say, or the set of paid search advertisers 
has moved over the past five years from being totally unaware that there was any difference uh, inside the search engines between search advertising and, co- and content advertising to realizing there's a difference and then completely recoiling because they realized that they were losing a lot of money on the content networks <laughs> by, by treating them like search networks. And I've actually done surveys when I've given presentations on this topic, and uh, I think that a, a shocking uh, number of advertisers or percentage of advertisers has simply turned off their content advertising and uh, and decided to focus on their search advertising, uh, either uh, – you know, getting the most out of that and then moving to content or just waiting to see if content ever works for anybody. And since the the variety of media types like banner through video uh, is available only through content advertising, I think that's one of the reasons that the adoption may be slower. Is um, One thing I've observed in, in, in my career in search marketing is um, often the web users start adopting or using technologies um, well, before we're ready to exploit them, before we're ready to jump into them. And I think uh, a lot of people in the, in the SEO field have been um, not necessarily blindsided, but, but um, definitely disrupted by uh, the rise of social media. Yes. Are there trends happening in online advertising that you know, consumers or web users are going for that either the advertisers, agencies, or search marketers haven't, haven't quite clued into yet? Uh, I think that's a really good point, and uh, it re- uh, Jim, you asked us to look at, over the uh, SES San Jose agenda uh, in preparation for this call, and the first thing that struck me is that the the field of practice of online advertising, or let's just say um, search engine optimization slash search engine marketing, uh, has really fragmented, and I really pity a... Uh, you know, an entry-level person in a in a medium-sized company who's hired to do it all because <laughs> it's really, really uh, become impossible to have your arms, for one person to have their arms around every possible uh, channel and tactic. And, um, you know, uh, social media is a good example. Uh, a, a large company could hire one person just to understand the opportunities that social media present and, and exploit it. Uh, out and, and completely or just tangentially associated with other SEO or SEM activities. Well, what do you think, Deb? Is there, are there uh, users moving us in a direction that we're either not keying into or not prepared to go yet? Yeah, I think that's a fascinating insight as well, that let's just take the uh, user-generated content, whether it's on a social site like uh, Facebook or MySpace or, or just additional blogging information on a traditional publisher. It's as if they're saying this is important, here's traffic, and for some reason we're unable to figure out how to raise our effective CPMs. And that just seems like an incredible gap. It's not in the future. It's here today. And there have to be ways for us to be smart enough to uh, raise the effective rates. And well, whether me, that's taking what people have purchased, you know, as ads and figuring out how to target it better, that's one path. Uh, another path is really thinking hard about, you know, how we attach advertising to um, specific interests as they're expressed and how you go after the advertising almost in a pull direction. So there's really sophisticated and difficult problems to solve there today. Well, um, sticking, sticking with the, the, 
user habits and user expectations. Um, I, I remember when we all started on the web um, 10, 15 years ago, everything was free. The whole philosophy was everything was supposed to be free. And to this day, I still sometimes have issues when I come across paid content or I come across content that's behind a veil because, uh, you know, the, the person who started on the Internet so many years ago has, still has that philosophy. Um, are users becoming more accustomed to seeing that the, the, the environment is either being directly paid for or tangentially paid for by advertisers? And how are they reacting to that? Boy, that's tough. I'm going to pull out some experience when I ran uh, one of the free web hosting businesses. It was called Free Servers. And I went through that nightmare of when we made a ton from advertising and then the whole market fell apart. And in that regard, I played games. And I think this is maybe reflecting how users think about advertising. So they were... Uh, if, if the website was appropriate, they didn't really care if the ads were there or not, and I think we know that at some level, if, if it's of value to them as they visit. And that was true even in a free hosted site with some interests with family sharing, as, as much as it is with, you know, the New York Times putting ads all around. Um, so I think that's okay. The issue for an end user is that how intrusive is it in the experience? So I think it's the nature of the types of ads that raise those user issues as opposed to advertising generally. Yeah, I, I think I, I talk to my kids about this, and uh, I think the um, the world is the Internet using world, which is pretty much everybody, uh, is becoming perfectly accustomed to um, Let's say advertising supported services. Uh, and I think the system is, is, you know, this is a little utopian, but I think the system is working, is moving toward a very uh, nicely working system whereby, um, I'll give you a few examples of what uh, we expect to see in the next two to five years. Um, Microsoft will have versions of their office applications that are advertising supported and free. And uh, the advertising will be un- relatively un- unobtrusive. Uh, compared to the value. Uh, furthermore, the advertising will be more and more so appropriate to the, uh, to the to what the user's experience and, and what the user's demographics and behavioral attributes are. Um, and and the, one of the things that convinces me of that is uh, uh, early in my career I was working for uh, Ziff Davis Publishing. Uh, Ziff Davis pioneered some of the uh, early computer magazines, and uh, we regularly did surveys of the readers and ask them what they thought was valuable in the magazine. Of course, we were trying to fine-tune the editorial and make sure we were meeting the needs, the editorial needs of, of the readers. And every single survey came back with uh, rankings of the advertisements higher than a lot of our editorial. In other words, uh, the enthusiasts were buying the magazine partially to read the ads because they considered that to be news about their, their hobby. And so I think that at some point, when uh, when, use, uh, when advertising supported services are provided that include advertising that is very tailored to the demographics behavior whatever of the users, they stop seeing it as something that's obtrusive and start seeing it as an as an adjunct to the experience. Um, Deb and David, we have about uh, two minutes left in the segment, so I want to give you each a minute. Is there any message that you want to get to, to some of our listeners about uh, where, where online advertising is going, where search advertising is going, what they should look for at SES, or what they should look for in trends in the future? 
Uh, starting with Deb. I guess I'd like advertisers to start to trust uh, behavioral kinds of networks. And I think it's going to be important because at the end of the day, their effective CPMs will go up. Okay. Um, David? Well, first I want to underscore what Deb said. I, I absolutely agree with that. It, it, and it's important to the, uh, to the continued adoption of online advertising in general because, uh, you know, even, even the, the SES speakers and the audience to some extent even are, are, uh, are the early adopters that are, are already sold on all of this stuff and to some extent are expert in it. But there's still a lot of resistance from uh, a lot of companies, potential advertisers, who think that it is it's too scary, too complex, too tr- untrustworthy. Uh, the other message I would give is it's, it's part of one of the presentations I'm giving at SES, um, and that is uh, the, the, the session talks about uh, or tries to appeal to uh, individuals who are starting out in the search marketing industry. And uh, we're, the panelists, like myself, are giving advice on, on uh, how to get up to speed, what kind of training resources, and so on. My advice to anybody starting out is start specializing. Start picking out one particular area uh, where, you, where you can build very, very deep expertise uh, because that's going to be in high demand uh, in the future and it's going to become less and less possible for an individual or even a small company to build themselves and, and provide good service in, by saying uh, we're a full-service agency. We do everything that comes under the heading uh, online marketing. Well, um, David Satella from Clicks Marketing and uh, uh, Deb Richmond from Clarity. I want to thank you both for being on the show today. Um, folks, two more great reasons you should go to uh, SES San Jose. And uh, we have to go to break. This happens to us every time. Our segments, our segments go so fast. But we're going to be back with uh, legendary SEO Dan Sees. And um, I know you folks from Google are listening. I think you really want to listen to this next segment. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Jim Hedger on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk, Inc. I'm from SitePronews.com. We're sponsored by the IACDN. This is the Alternative on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we'll be back in just a moment. Hey, what are you reading? Revenue Magazine. It keeps me up to date on everything in performance marketing. Yeah, I get all my information online. (laughs) I don't see a computer next to your boogie board there. Well, I've got a regular magazine here. (laughs) Revenue Magazine is the only hard copy magazine that covers affiliate marketing techniques, search technologies, online fraud prevention, and interactive advertising, branding, and marketing. My magazine's got pictures. Revenue Magazine has everything for online marketers, affiliates, merchants, agencies, and networks. And you can read previous issues, blogs, and more at RevenueToday.com. Wow, mine's got a centerfold. Revenue Magazine, the performance marketing standard. For more information, go to revenuetoday.com. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN-accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. More than a name. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking time.
top-ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. And now, transport back into the alternative on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host, Jim Hedger. Welcome back to the alternative here on webmasterradio.fm. This is Jim Hedger uh, from the from sitepronews.com and Dave Davies from beanstalk-inc.com. We're sponsored by the ICDN.org, and we have legendary SEO Dan Seas on the line right now. Dan, welcome to the alternative. Hi, Jim. So uh, I was reading your blog with great interest today, and um, you tipped me off to this a couple of days ago. I'm, I'm going to own up. It's not like I, I read blog, blogs religiously and just find this stuff. But, Dan, you found something really interesting about a year ago. Um, you wrote a blog post today, Google Proxy Hacking, How a Third Party Can Remove Your Site from Google SERPs. That sounds rather ominous. It's not a good thing. And it's been <laughs> going on for quite a while, actually. What's the deal? What, what's this all about? Well, uh, basically, I guess we should probably explain what a proxy is. And um, basically what a proxy uh, is, is it, it is a, a web server that will uh, return uh, pages from another site. There are a lot of uh, services like that that allow you to surf anonymously and things like that. And... Uh, but basically, the way what happens is, um, if you go, if you want to say, um, the, you know, www.yahoo.com, you go to this proxy website and you type in www.yahoo.com, and they fetch the Yahoo page for you. But what they do is they is is that's going to be under you know a different URL, something like www.proxy.com/proxy/www.yahoo.com. And what that what that does is it, it returns the exact same page. Uh, um, and um, that you would have gotten, except that, of course, um, you know, all the text is the same. The URL is different. And what what happens with this proxy hacking is that bad guys out there will go and fire links, uh, point links to um, a bunch of different proxy URLs that all pull up the same page. And at some point, if you have enough proxies and enough links, um, Googlebot will screw up and throw away the original as duplicate content or penalize the original site as duplicate content and uh, and keep the copies in the index. But, I mean, really, this is just Googlebot acting as, as it should, as it's programmed to. Yes, exactly. So how did you discover this? Well, um, almost two years ago, um, one of my friend's websites just dropped out of Google. It was shortly after the, the, the Big Daddy uh, stuff rolled out. And uh, uh, at first they thought they were completely out of Google, and then it turned out it was just their home page that was out of Google. Well, after um, bringing in uh, lots of uh, lots of folks to, to look at it and try and help them, um, they went through about about six months. They they did a couple of re-inclusion requests, I guess, and got back temporarily, but they always dropped right back out. And so last June I went to, to work uh, trying to help him sort out what was going on. And uh, it took a couple weeks to, to, to nail nail it down. I mean, we... Kind of, I kind of had a suspect right away because every time we do a search for a phrase that should be unique to the home page, um, we were getting you know duplicates in the index, and they were always these, these proxies. Um, and so, um, 
after we, we put some basic, uh, you know, just IP blocking in to block the proxies that, that Google was finding, um, I resubmitted those um, and, and actually fired some links at them uh, so that, that, you know, they would get indexed again. And uh, Google went and recrawled them, and they were all blocked and dropped them all from the index, and all of a sudden his homepage was back in Google, and they were back on the first page of search results. <laughs> just like that. Um, it took about a week to bounce back. And... Uh, but um, because it was, you know, apparently uh, something more organized than just an accidental, oops, Google found a proxy, um, they, uh, they were back in for a week, but then a bunch of other proxies showed up, and they were right back out. Their homepage got dropped. The rest of their site wasn't being hacked, and, and the rest of their site was, it was in the index. But, of course, you know, almost all the page rank flows into their homepage. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a big hit to lose your homepage. Uh, so... Uh, that's really kind of how we figured out what was going on, um, and then you know, we kind of started working on more robust solutions to defend ourselves. Now, Dan, what can Google do? Like, you, you've put this out, you're basically saying, you know, after a year of doing this, you, you've alerted them, nothing's been done yet, you've put this out to basically push it, push this as a, as a, a key issue, which it definitely is, this is a huge problem. What can Google do uh, well, to get around that? That's tough. Because um, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really understand what the mechanism that makes this possible. But it certainly looks to me, because I don't see it happening with other search engines that basically operate a single index. It seems to me like it's it's that big daddy infrastructure where they have um, so many different data centers and they actually crawl from them and they try to keep all these different copies of the index synced up. That uh, you know what happens is uh, one crawler will go and find. Um, find this proxy page, stick it in the index, and then another crawler goes and, and finds your page, and then they go and check, oh, look, it's a duplicate, and, and they drop it. Um, I mean, maybe there's just some flaw in the logic there, or maybe it's just, uh, you know, it's just really not possible to get this right 100% of the time. And the thing is, if you can't get it right 100% of the time, then you're open to uh, an exploit that just involves storing large numbers of, of, of proxies. So you can trace this back to about... Uh but somewhere between the, the, the summer and the uh, late autumn of 2005, when, when uh, early 2006, when Big Daddy was being implemented. Um, as I understand it, in uh, August 2006, you told um, Matt and Vanessa, Matt Cuts and Vanessa Fox, um, and you also did a presentation at SES about this. That was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, why has... Um, why is this exploit still open? Well, I think there, there's, there's two things. Um, you know, first of all, they, they do have at least the possibility of a solution. Um, with, the, uh, with the Google Web, Webmaster Tools, you, know, you can register a website that you own that site. You can prove it by putting, um, putting a meta tag on your page that verifies it, and that's when they let you upload a sitemap, and that's when they let you see all the links pointing to the site now and all that kind of stuff. So they have a way... To, to say, you know, well, hey, you know, this, this verification meta tag is on the page. Um, it, you know, and if that, if that meta tag shows up on a page that's not on the right domain, then they can throw it away because they know it's a copy. But, um, but I think, you know, part of the problem is that, you know, the people that I knew that I could, you know, easily go talk to, uh, you know, Matt, Vanessa, folks like that, they don't run the crawlers. You know, Vanessa was, in, you know, doing the webmaster tools, and, and Matt is doing search quality. But you know they don't they don't build the spider they don't build the, the the data centers they don't build the index and all the software that goes with that that's kind of 
um, you know, sort of outside of their their sphere of influence. So, you know, I don't know what might have happened internally and, and how how hard they may have pushed it, but I know that uh, you know, it, it's like I said, it's probably something that's that's baked into the system that they deployed uh, to a great extent, and it might be one of those things that they said, well, you know, we'd be throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and so just do nothing. Well, you and Bill Atchison did do a. Uh a presentation at at FEF last year. You, um, I mean, so it's not like this has been a. You, you, you've kept quiet about it for a year, which which which, which was very good about, good of you. Well, we, we like talked about well all of secret. the bad things that can happen when you let proxies um, through. All the bad things that can happen if you let spiders index things by proxy, except for like the worst thing that can happen, which is that you get dumped. Um, and and. Um, you know, we all the defenses that we're talking about today and the discussions on the blogs and things like that, the different ways that you can defend against it are things that Bill and I presented um, a year ago. Um, I guess the mistake that we that we made or that I made was not just going out and saying, hey, look, here's my friend that, um, you know, his site got hacked out of Google. Um, and, you know, the, the reason why was that, you know, I, I had this fear that, you know, basically we're giving the bad guys instructions on how to exploit the problem when there really aren't good solutions to stop it. I mean, Bill had uh, crawl wall was uh, was under development, but it wasn't available, so there wasn't you know it wasn't like you could just go buy crawl wall. Um, and uh, and so um, you know now we have some solutions that uh, you know that can be deployed relatively easily. Uh, you know we're not telling people now go write code to fix the problem. Uh, so it, it makes it a little bit easier to to put it out there. But you know also I think it just um, you know Bill and and a lot of other folks have been kind of talking about. Uh, this and, and kind of talking around, and um, you know, there were a bunch of a uh, bunch of things that came out in early July about proxies and Google picking up proxies, um, and uh, it was pretty obvious to me that the bad guys had already gotten a hold of it because we've seen a huge explosion of, of proxies out there since, or proxy linking out there since the Fourth of July, uh, which is right about the, right about the time that, that you know that it started getting discussed in kind of the quiet areas of the web. So, you know, we decided to make some noise today. Okay, so that, that's why you came. Uh, you went public with the hack. You uh, you wrote a, you wrote a very detailed uh, description on seofaststart.com, your blog, um, and uh, are you hoping that Google's going to take action soon? Or I would hope that they at least take it more seriously now and understand that it's a problem that affects a lot of sites. You know, one of the things that. You know, the, 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 the idea that a lot of people have had about this is that, you know, if it's really you know, like low page rank, kind of made for AdSense type sites, that, that's who it can happen to. But, you know, the, the first person I saw get affected by it was, was uh, my friend Brad Fallon. And his site was, you know, at the top of Google, top of Yahoo, top of MSN for a lot of search, uh, search terms in his market, including the biggest ones. And they went from Brad's been around you know, for the a while. He knows his way around the search engine, right? I'm sorry? Brad's been around for a while. He knows his way around the engines. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he used to teach it. He doesn't really have the time to, to keep up with SEO anymore. But you know, he did a he did a, a, a launch last year of a membership program, and you know, part of that was you know talking about some of their business results. And he had people you know out there publicly flogging him, saying, "Well, you know, this guy doesn't know anything about SEO. His site's been banned by Google." Well, that wasn't true, but you know, he couldn't really say that because that again, that would just be telling. You know, telling people how to exploit this thing. So, you know, he held his tongue, and I don't know how much money it cost him, but um, you know, uh, at this point, maybe we're, we're sorry we kept quiet. Now, Dan, you you go in on this post, and, and an excellent post that it is, um, onto some of the solutions, and we we did touch on that a little bit. What can you tell us about 
the solutions themselves, and you do also make note um, regarding some work being done uh, for Microsoft IIS servers. Um, any details you can give our, our listeners about that in regards to uh, when there might be a, a solution present uh, to help them safeguard against this sort of thing or, or any precautions sure. they may want to take before trying to, to go into these solutions. Sure. I mean, it's it's very confusing to explain the solutions because it's it's very it's very confusing to really explain the problem. Um, and I have what I call sort of the level one solution, which um, it won't block every proxy, but it's very easy to implement. And, and Jamie Sarevich, who wrote um, Professional SEO with PHP, uh, wrote these scripts for us. And um, that solution basically um, says that. If you show up and uh, if, if a user agent shows up and claims to be a spider, then we inspect um, by um, doing the approved method that search engines have given us, which is a forward and reverse DNS lookup. Uh, basically, we, we check to see that the IP address they're coming from is supposed to be from, say, googlebot.com. And then we go and look up the host name that they claim to be and make sure that that matches the IP address so we can't get spoofed. And that, that works if... You know, for most of these proxies, for the, you know the, the the sort of the public proxy services, they typically pass along the user agent intact because if somebody's surfing with, uh, you know, Netscape or Internet Explorer or, or whatever different browser, you know, there might be a different version of the page. So for usability, they pass that along. And um, for those, this that that solution works perfectly well. But there are a lot of proxies out there that actually uh, don't pass along the user agent correctly. They'll spoof it. They'll say it's Internet Explorer or something like that. And, and in that case, um, the solution that we recommend doing is called reverse cloaking, or at least that's what I've been calling it. And basically what that means is that if you, it, unless you claim to be a search engine spider and you can prove it by that same validation method, then we actually stick no index, no follow in the robot's meta tag on the page. So it can be kind of funny. Somebody actually found Delicious doing this last fall, and they didn't understand what was going on, because when you or I go look at, at, at Delicious or you and I go look at the MyWeddingFavors.com site, you'll actually see no index, no follow in the robot's meta tag. And you say, well, gee, you know, how is that site actually showing up in Google? Well, it's because when Googlebot shows up or Yahoo Slurp shows up or MSNBot shows up, they don't get the page that says no, no index, no follow. The reason why that's in there is because if there's some proxy that we can't identify and can't block, the page that they fetch and the page that they then try to deliver back to a spider is going to say no index, no follow, and the page never gets picked up. How's that for confusing? <laughs> well, I think uh, people will, uh, and I'd highly recommend to go to seofaststart.com and actually read it. I understand it because I've already read it, but yeah, for, for some of our listeners, that might be a little tough to grasp first, first time through. What about Microsoft servers? Um, Jamie's actually working on, um, actually has already written, and I think it's being published in another week, um, basically an analog to the, to the, to the SEO with PHP book, it's SEO ASP, and, and it really it's it's just kind of all the how to do all the technical implementations of SEO stuff that you might want to do, um, and so I think it's a matter of, of a few days uh, to have um, an ASP and IIS solution um, available, um, and Jamie will get that post on his blog, and, and you know, obviously I'll, I'll put a post up on my blog and, and, let, and let folks know about it if they're on my on my mailing list or anything like that. Um, so it's a matter of days. It was just um, really, you know, the, the timing on this kind of came down to um, whether we might be able to get a little bit more of Google's attention by having this posted, um, you know, a few days before the entire world shows up at their house for this dance next week. <laughs> well, you know what, Dan, I think you've, um, 
I think you achieved your goal. I've seen uh, I've seen notices of this appearing in pretty much every major search journal today. Uh, we put one up in Site Pro News today. Um, you're on this, and I'm sure you're going to be on the radio shows in the near future. And we've just given um, everyone who's been listening something to talk about with Google when they're at SES. But unfortunately, we're out of time. Whole hour's gone. Oh, that'll happen. Um, it happens. It happens Thanks. every week. It drives me crazy. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show and explaining this. I think um, you may have given the Black Hats a little bit of information, but I think you've done a much greater public service in uh, pushing Google in towards, towards patching this hole. Well, thank you. I hope so. Um, folks, on behalf of uh, Dave Davies from Beanstalk-Inc.com and myself, Jim Hedger, from SitePronews.com, this is The Alternative. We're done for another week. We're going to be recording live from the floor um, Tuesday or Wednesday at uh, Surgeons and Strategies San Jose. Anyone who's, um, who's at the show, come by the ICDN booth. Come by the Webmaster Radio booth. Um, anyone listening, I, I know Dave and I would, would, would love to meet you folks. Until then, have a great week. This has been uh, Jim Hedger again on behalf of Dave Davies. This is The Alternative on webmasterradio.fm. <laughs>